Hey, welcome to another episode of Who Dares Wins. What's going on? Um, just want to say thank you for listening. Let you know that we're listener supported, so you can support the podcast if you um, like to or feel led to. Definitely would appreciate it as it helps to make the podcast even better, get better equipment, um, you know, just kind of like grow more and bring out that message to other people. Um, so I, um, I'm really excited to introduce uh, my guest for today. It's Xavier Eiffel. He is the founder of Strategy. Um, he has a podcast with his beautiful wife, Elizabeth, called Crossing Boundaries. And he's a great friend, great, great friend. And I feel that he has like such an amazing um, way to express uh, what, you know what I mean? Just like what it's like for him and what life has been like for him. Um, we met at church and then we started to do um, outreach together. And then eventually we started doing outreach to prisons. We would go into Rikers Island together. And all of us that were doing that are still friends today. Um, so I just wanted to introduce him. He's amazing. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, hey, if you like this, man, leave a donation. Support us. Listener supported radio coming at you. Love you. Um, Enjoy the episode. Peace. But first, take some time to hear these uh, special announcements. Um, As you know, we're listener supported. And I uh, just want to say thank you to Anchor that provides this opportunity and platform for guys like me. Um, so thanks again, and we'll pause for a quick break. Be right back. Yo. What's going on, JP? Good morning. Good morning. Wow. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'll edit this part. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, man. Thank you so much for... Um, you know, doing this. Of course. Um, yeah, good morning. So um, I'll get right into it. Um, sure. Um, just be like, God, you know, be in a conversation. Amen. Um, Amen. So uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to start redirecting the podcast in a new way that, mm-hmm. that addressed, I feel, what happened with Ahmad Arbery and then just kind of talking about historic racism and and systems and things of that nature but then i felt more and more like god was silencing my voice for about four years and then in in the last week or so i felt him open my mouth and and like he just really brought it all back together and said the reason why you started this podcast was to actually share my heart on what i look at as justice you know yeah what justice is to me and I'm like, oh, right, God, right. So <laughs> I said, amen. So I was like, I can talk about that, God. You know, I can talk about you. And then, um, and so I felt like what he was saying to me in that moment was have on your friends, have on people that, are, that you respect or, or that are doing great things and have them give their perspective um, be, so that like this conversation can be more, uh, more receivable by a different audience like like a wider audience and um and even if like people don't listen which i believe they will um it's just important to hear people's stories like different narratives and so my first episode i had my best friend derek Mm -hmm. who's who's a white guy like me and he's been doing this work for years you know like solidarity work and he gave me a lot of great information to think about and and I just really wanted him to speak on what it meant to be, you know, me and like white, you know, and like, what is our response? And like, um, how do we feel about it? Because I think like more and more people that kind of look like me need to say it's wrong, you know? Yeah. And um, and I think it, it's just like a way of honoring, you know, my my friends, you know, and, and people of color and, and people in general, you know, but like the system was made in a sense for me, you know? So if I'm saying like, Hey, this system's needs changing. 
like I, I think that in a way that that honors their value that honors life you know and that life is not in vain but I don't want it to be like one way or the other a, a political right or left really just like God's heart is for humanity and this is a sin issue it's yep. an, it's not a uh it's it's not an it's not an issue like in a in a in a hierarchy of issues or systemic problems it's a sin issue and then out of sin comes these different things and when it's full grown it's death you know murder you know yeah and but um something that really touched my heart is my pastor he got on our on our prayer call the other day on sunday and he said you know, we've been praying into this and tonight we're going to do an intercession call where we repent and pray together as a church. And I'm really happy about that. But what moves me is that he's a white guy from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And he was like, this was a father and a son. That's generational. And he yep. said, we have to repent of this generational sin. This is generation after generation after generation. And we're not doing enough. Like, we're not doing anything. Like, some of us are completely able to just act like this didn't happen. Yeah. And it doesn't impede our life at all. And I said, oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so happy he said this. Let's go. <laughs> you know? And and um, so I thought, like, um, well, you're one of, you're, you're one of my uh, closest friends. And we, we haven't talked in a while. But I've always really respected you and really respected your approach to life, your approach to justice issues, how we um, did ministry with, with young men in, in Rikers, mm-hmm. and, 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 and then just how you came up with strategy and what you spoke to your men at your wedding. Um, yeah, I just, I just thought it would be really interesting. And then when I found out you like went to the same college as like Martin Luther King Jr., it was like, wow. That's like, that's like uh, this other pastor that made an impact on my life um, <laughs> in Harlem. He's, uh, oh man, I can't remember his name, but he ran for Congress. Um, I think it's uh, Walren. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Michael Walren. Yeah, Michael yeah. Walren Jr., whose wife, um, whose wife is now the president of my seminary. Yeah, yeah, it's mm. big. This is a big change. Big change. Mm from being led by like older white males who are nice guys who great, you know, whatever politics, but this is a new (laughs) thing. And like, it's a whole new thing. Like almost like, it seems like all the staff is different now. It's wild. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really, I think it's awesome. I think it's good. Um, But change is always like interesting, you know, even Mm -hmm. when, even when those particular people are speaking about, about equality and justice you can feel like when power's threatened it makes people act funny you know yeah yeah so so we're talking about radical power shifts and dynamics um so anyway i just thought it would be really cool to have you share maybe what you think about this issue and then we'll just see where the conversation goes as a christian man as a father um as a man who's in an interracial marriage or however you want to describe it because you're going to probably say something that's going to make me like you know go on google and look it up (laughs) so so i just appreciate that and i think people need to know that they need to hear that and um reverse because when i speak i feel like people kind of put me in a category and i really want help i want to help people see that god's heart is for human beings like his heart is for people yeah, and, and and he's not a respecter of persons, you know. Yeah. So yeah. So, so I, I think you know off the top, it's a very tragic um, thing that that happened. I think that we've seen too many videos of these, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's it's horrific and it's saddening and it you know it's upsetting as well as. Um, I think to the believer, there's still hope and it still gives um, confidence to know that, you know, if we are all running our race and doing what we're called to do, that um, we can confidently know that, you know, 
although this happened, it's not happening, you know, every single day. You know what I mean? And so for by and large part, most people have forgotten that this was a thing until you saw it, that it happened, you know? Mm. And that doesn't take away from what people are experiencing around this country. But for the most part, that's not a common experience for all um, black men and women. And I could never speak for all black men and women. I can only speak for um, my experience and what I see. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the upsetting part is that people are like, oh, I thought we moved past this. And anyone who is upset and outraged has to understand that any issue, there has to be endurance attached to it and fighting for seeing the outcome that you want to see. And that endurance looks like constantly um, getting up there and thinking about all the different ways that this issue can be attacked, you know? Mm. And so... From on one end, it's like, you know, are you as an individual going out of your way to expose yourself to people that aren't like you? You know, mm-hmm. are you currently using the people in your network to help um, bring conversation to different matters? You know, and so I think there's a lot of ways to handle something like this. Um, but I, I think a lot of people forget that all of these issues require endurance. They don't just stop. You know, you got to keep fighting for it. You got to keep praying about it and you got to keep getting outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. You know, you, we, we all have to move past the what I want, what my dream is and move into what am I going to leave behind? You know, what 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 difference am I going to make for this world and from, and for my community and for communities at large, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think that's, what's really touching me now too, is it's, it's becoming less about seeing justice happen right now as much as that needs to happen, but also being, being proactive now so that our children and their children can live in a, and, live in a more just world, you know, and, and, and have full freedoms to live. I would, I would hope absence of fear, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, I I was saying this to a friend yesterday. We had a little get together for his birthday and, Hey man, we maintained our social distancing. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a funny thing. Um, so we were just having a great, great discussion as this is like a very, um, we have a pulse on this in our church and um and he was sharing and and you know and he's he's a, a person of color and he's from georgia mm-hmm. and and he was saying how he lived about an hour away from that area that yeah you know mm-hmm. and and he was saying how he i mean in my school i'm not sure what they say now but we called it like respectability politics or something where mm-hmm. like he would dress a certain way in order to kind of ensure that nothing happened that night, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked about that and, and we talked about, and, and then uh, my other friends, they were kind of like sharing, but like, what about this? And what about indentured servitude versus like slavery in America and like all these different things. And I was like, well, one, like, you know, do, do research, but also understand that the same way you have a prayer life and every morning you wake up and you pray to God or when mm-hmm. you wake up, And like, that's your thought life is that you go about the Lord. Like, I think this kind of thing has to be something that is like a prayer life. Like it's, I think about it every day and I organize my life around these thoughts and destructing and like kind of destroying things and building up something new. But it takes an intentional decision to do this every single day and like for the rest of your life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's kind of like amnesia. Like if, Mm -hmm. if you don't, if if you don't do this, you will go back, especially as a white person, I'll go back three days, you know, like whatever progress I was making for three days, like I might lose like three days worth. If I, if I really 
turn off and and we can't afford for people to turn off so i like what you said about endurance and um maybe like you could like go expound on that a little more or maybe how that touches you as a father now or or um yeah it's open yeah so i think depending on how you were raised and how your environment treated you, nurtured you, um, all of the above, you're, you know, I, I think for most, the goal is to get themselves uh, to a place of success. And th- that place of success usually is something uh, materialistic. And it's not a bad thing to say that it's materialistic, but in terms of maintaining security for you, for your family and for your loved ones. Like that's, that's part of what most people are going after. Mm. And so it's usually you go after that first and then community outside family, second, third, sometimes fifth. And so what happens with that is it usually doesn't occur until a person is more seasoned. And so in their youth, when they were like full of energy to fight, um, that energy went to maintaining the things that brought security, which is a home, career, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so you kind of forget about community. I think having endurance is just being able to do both at the same time. Mm. And so instead of making it one, then the other, you can do both. And for every person, it's going to look completely different. Um, but just giving your time to get to know um, a population that, you know, you may not interact with, that you may not know about. And those, thing, those things can happen via volunteering. Mm-hmm. And there's millions of organizations that you can volunteer with. And as well as there's millions of local churches that you can partner with. And there's so many different uh, groups of people that you can interact with that will, the moment you enter into uh, connection, you will immediately be changed. And, mm. and once that happens, you are already doing your part of breaking down the barriers and thinking about someone and people outside of yourself and so doing that over a lifetime, plus getting um, whatever your career goals, family goals, that will help in, in maintaining that this happens over a lifetime. So it doesn't start when an individual is like on the other side in the, you know, let's say 40s and 50s, it starts right out the gate. And so families can serve along families and friends can serve along friends. And this can be like part of what life is because the reality of it is, you know, we live in a, a broken world. And so whenever, let's say racism is eradicated, there will be something next, mm. you know, and mm. as, as well as, wow. Uh, as racism is going on, there is currently something else, you know? And yeah. so, we can't just, you know, look for justice on this one case and then think, oh, it's done, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, we got to get perspective of like fighting together for our entire lifetime. And there's other aspects of that and nuances that plays into like, you know, whether a person can or can't do that. But that's what endurance means to me. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I thought it'd be really interesting, too, to just maybe if you wanted to share any, I don't know, maybe any experiences of like, um, you know, situations where, you know, maybe you saw like injustice on your on your own or maybe like some a little bit about your background and stuff just to like help the listener connect even more to you. Because I've known you for a while, but I think, like, it would be, it's like, um, so when I had my friend Derek on, like, he kind of kind of brought up, like, how this all started with him. He started hitchhiking after high school. 
mm-hmm. you know he grew up in like an all white like neighborhood pretty much pretty dominantly and then when he started traveling he was like whoa like the way i was raised is not completely correct you know yeah mm-hmm. and um you know and i just always thought like you know because you're you're kind of private and stuff so you know this might not be cool but um i just think like the the way you carry yourself and and live life is it's really good it's really really good and i think like it could really help people so i like what you were saying about endurance and i thought it'd be really cool to hear a little more about like how you you know got here like what you know a little bit more about your like background and then we'll shift into something else maybe like you know your marriage or or what that's like or whatever in in terms of society (laughs) sure so um i was born and raised in brooklyn and i am a twin uh my father side of the family is from barbados and my mother's side of the family has roots that are in virginia um, I only really know my father's side of the family. I don't really know my mother's side of the family. Uh, growing up in Brooklyn uh, was not the Brooklyn that most people are excited about today. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was different. Um, but the neighborhood that I grew up in, and most of New York City, depending on where you um, live, was always like, a melting pot of different cultures and you know as well as you know my dad being from Barbados makes it a very unique experience for, for myself mm-hmm. and so you know growing up my mom because I live with my mom saw my dad on the weekends my mom would you know she would tell my brother and I that you know they're not your friends you know, they may not, you know, they're not going to tell you, but, you know, particularly between um, this Dominican woman and us, she said they don't like us because we're black. Um, So there was, there was stuff like that. My mom would hint at, but she didn't really go too in depth with, nor did I care at that moment in time because really young. Mm. And so, but growing up, a lot of my teachers were white and they were never from what I remember. I could say that they genuinely cared about the students that they were working with hmm. and which was really cool. And so my experience to um, just having a problem with anyone that wasn't black just wasn't there for me as a kid. Um, just because I, a lot of people taught me, a lot of people spoke to me, a lot of people said nice things to me, you know? And so it wasn't, um, until later in growing up and particularly the high school that I went to, my high school was very great. Um, most of the teachers were black. They were about give or take 10 to 15 years older than myself at the time. So that presents a very unique environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they were young enough to connect with us, but still old enough to provide a different layer of experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the teachers were leaning a lot towards, you know, our people, you know, you know, we got to look out for our own, which is language I, I hadn't necessarily heard before. Okay. And, it was interesting because now that I look back at it now, um, they didn't need to do that um, because it doesn't help. Uh, I think the job of a teacher is to present opportunities for students to think critically, not for you to impose. And so they weren't wrong, but just looking back at it now, uh, that has the same effect that um, we are experiencing where a father and son kill uh, a black man, right? Because he has been told all his life one way, look out for our own, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's an extreme example, but 
one starts in just thoughts, the other one is action. Hmm. And so um, it doesn't create an environment for um, unity. It just creates more division. And so that's not their intent. And those weren't, they didn't speak words of hate, but an unchecked mind will go in whatever direction that is not good. So um, that was the experience there. Wow. And, but they, you know, they were loving. And I think a lot of times if your own personal growth doesn't take you to a place where you can reflect and teach without projecting, then that's what you'll get. And so part of this is people um, continuing to grow and become self-aware to the point that they aren't projecting. Mm. Uh, so mm. that was the experience there. And then it was in high school where I learned that my dad had an accent. I hadn't knew that prior to that. <laughs> One of my close friends was like, your dad has an accent. <laughs> um, and so wow. there was that. And so I would also, my brother and I, would spend summers in Barbados because yeah. uh, my dad was like, you're not going to stay here. Um, and so he would send us there and I hated it mm. wow. <laughs> just because just none of my friends were there and just being a spoiled American kid, you know how that goes. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so, but for me being there, I saw, you know, black people with homes, some really nice, some not so great. And so because of that, like to me, the experience was different. So I never looked at it like, you know, I had to strive to be someone that I wasn't because the home where I would spend the summers, everybody's black and everybody has homes and they look great. Wow. Uh, so that also lends itself to the experience for me in that people from there left um, their homes and, you know, their families to come to the United States for a better life, which growing up, I always thought they had a better life um, because they already had. Uh, so interesting. After high school, I went to Morehouse College, which was um, a culture shock within itself, being a city kid, New York City, probably the the most vibrant city in the world and then going down to Atlanta, which was pretty slow and there wasn't a lot of noise and um, it was just different. And wow. I was just used to hearing sirens. You know, I was used to not being in groups. I was used to the people that I had known. Uh, I had never been that far from home, except for Barbados, but I was with my grandmother. Mm. Um, and so that was a different experience within itself, mainly because uh, in New York, in the friend group that I had, I felt like everyone was on the same playing field in terms of income. Mm. And so like everyone had apartment, but you knew a few people lived in brownstones, but for the most part, everybody was pretty much around the same. Mm. When I had got to college now, that was completely different because these were like wealthy um, black students, you know, where, you know, their homes look like the home catalogs, you wow. know, that you, you know what I'm saying? Like that wow. was a very different experience. And so, but I never was intimidated by that. I always thought that was great because where I grew up, I didn't know that for the American experience. I knew that for the West Indian experience. Wow. Mm. Uh, and so uh, putting that together, it just, it was my own coming to understanding that there's a narrative out there that we are one way, but in reality, you know, there's a lot of different examples. And you had people that came to Mars from all over the country and sometimes even all over the world. Wow. Uh, and so, you know, those are my experiences. Some of them, um, we'd be on here forever if I told you all of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But, but those, those are my experiences and just seeing like, you know, black people doing well, 
And I never thought that they weren't, but, you know, if you watch news, you see one thing, and then growing up where we grew up, you don't necessarily see that per se. Um, right. But it, it happens and it existed. And then, you know, just being in the South, learning about the South, and traveling throughout the South, there were places where, you know, even to this day, I'm still nervous to go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, that was I was nervous about some places I went to in Georgia, and and I mean my family's white, <laughs> and uh, and I was I I will never forget I, in 1994 we were driving to Florida to see my aunt and my stepdad's uh, mom my my grandma, um, mm-hmm. and um, we stopped in Georgia near Atlanta I think, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't really know Georgia that well. Um, I was I was pretty ignorant when I was younger. I I really just thought colleges were for sports and stuff, and I didn't like education. So I was like, oh yeah, the Georgia Bulldogs, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, or something like that. And we were in this like kind of rural area that had like a pit stop where we wanted to get some snacks and maybe re- re- reload on fuel. Mm-hmm. And and everywhere I saw the South will rise again. And like mm-hmm. people real mad about the war, and I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, yo, this is like that long ago, man. Mm-hmm. And then, and we were like checking out, and we were paying for stuff, and I literally like the people behind the counter. Uh, that was the first time where I ever I didn't know the word lynching, but mm-hmm. I felt like, yo, these dudes is gonna kill us. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're gonna like they hate us because we're from the north. Yeah, you know. And 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 that was the first time where I was like, "Wow, like we're like they're white too." And mm-hmm. I'm like, and so I was like, "Dang, they hate us because we're from the north." <laughs> and and when I um went to high, or what I don't know how I eventually just started learning more and more about this. And I was like, when it comes to like ignorance, what I've seen in my life is that um, predominant with white folks or whatever, maybe with other folks too. But I'm just saying from my own experience, what I saw is that like they could like racism masquerades in many different ways and prejudice masquerades in different ways. So because we're from the north, we were we probably like fit their prejudice or anger against a people group that they now linked us together with. And and it's like, hate, you know, yeah. And um, you know what I mean? So it's like. It was like, wow, like, but I know that the root of that, I think, is racism. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like the root of that was racism, you know? So, well, I don't know. It was just kind of crazy. But that's yeah. the only experience I have in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was yeah. shook to go back. I was mm-hmm. shook to go. I was like, yo, they, they hang white people on too. <laughs> you know? I was like, it was very scary. And then I had another experience when I... um. And I like this about you, Xavier, because you always give me another perspective besides, like, the narrative. Like, mm. I would love for you to speak, too, about, like, media. And, mm-hmm. and, and you've always opened my mind about media, too. But one time I was, I was doing organizing in, in Queens. I think I was in Ridgewood. I was supposed to be in Ridgewood. And I was doing organizing to help um, families uh, of low income to, like, you know, with their rent or uh, raise money for schools for uh, Acorn. And mm-hmm. um, and we ended up in Mazpath next mm-hmm. to Ridgewood. And I literally, I thought, man, like I went to one door. I'm like, I don't know. I look like a bike messenger in a sense, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I go to the door and I'm like, hi. And if like, I, if I knew you weren't going to support the cause, because I, I work for jobs I believe in, you know? Mm-hmm. So if, if, I, if I was like, yo, you don't want to help a school in Flatbush? Like, what's wrong with you, man? Mm-hmm. And so I'm knocking on the door. And they're like, why do you think I would help you? I'm like, because you got a house, bro. You can <laughs> afford $30. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? $30 a month or one time. You know, boom, 50 bucks. And so it'll help my quota, too. And mm-hmm. so, And so, but I looked around. And like everyone had stepped out on their front porches. Mm. And I was like, I've felt this feeling before. And not just like in my friendships with my friends that are black or Spanish, you know, 
or like mm -hmm. um latino but like but like that time when i was in georgia mm -hmm. um as a kid and like thinking wow like they hate my mom for no reason you yeah. know mm -hmm. and and i got i called the the staff at acorn and i was like Yo, Ridgewood's crazy. And he's like, You're in Mass bro. Get out of there. <laughs> you know? So anyway, so I just is is it's like a weird shock to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, so I, I guess like uh and then I guess I I'll just say this too. Um when I wanted to be a social worker, mm -hmm. uh I thought I was good. Like I, I was like, I got I got black friends, I got all this stuff. And I just felt, I felt I had the self-awareness to know that the people groups I was going to probably be working with are going to be different than me, right? Yeah. They're going to be in the city and stuff like that. And they're going to be experiencing different hardships. Mm -hmm. But then I was in Florida and I was reading my sister's textbooks because she was starting to be a social worker too before she went into art therapy. Mm -hmm. And... And she uh, and I read how we have our values come from our culture, yeah. And and I realized that my Euro kind of centric values were were in opposition to the values of of like black men or you know what I mean, um, mm -hmm. different people. And I was like, wow, if I do this and I think that they're not responding by looking them in. Like looking each other in the eyes, you know, which goes back to like the South and like back in the day when you couldn't like a like a white person would look at someone. But if you looked at them in the eye, you'd get beat up. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And um, but now it's like about respect. Like I walk outside and I'm like, oh, what's up? And we look and if we don't look each other in the eye, it's like, yo, why don't you look at me? Not? You know, mm. but yeah. back then it was, you know, different. And I realized then I was like, yo. This is deep. Yeah. This is so deep. Like I will be helping, thinking I'm helping, and I'm actually I'm disvaluing the background of that person. But like if we come to an agreement together that we don't want to have this value or we want to add another value, that's our choice together. But like to not know that that's why I shifted and I changed my minor to African American Latino studies. Mm -hmm. because i was like i need to learn from the from the probably the people group that i'm going to be serving and they i need to learn from them i need to hear their voice yeah. your, your your voice and 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 kind of be like how can i help you like yeah. can can or like what do you want from me you know what i mean mm -hmm. and just be humble <laughs> so i don't know i just shared those like three stories because i felt like it kind of related to like culture shock and and different things but i always loved and 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 the thing about morehouse too so i'm watching i watched this movie dear white people i made all my friends go see it when it mm -hmm. came out yeah and and tessa thompson was there mm -hmm. and it was amazing I was like, oh my god tessa thompson right and then i was like but i but i thought it was really interesting because i had friends that were that were black mm -hmm. and they they ha they were very wealthy mm-hmm and I was like, dang, this is deep. Like, mm -hmm. my mindset was like that this has never, I've never really seen that, you know? Yeah. And so it was, it was deep. So I'm just feeling you. Cause in that movie, it's about college yeah, yeah. And, I, and identity. And, uh, and I'm thinking like, wow, that, that must've been wild. Cause I was telling people yesterday about black wall street and mm -hmm. there was like, there was a black wall street. And, yeah. And I was like, you should read the book Black Bourgeoisie by E. Franklin Frazier. But um, I wanted, I, I thought we could shift now, we could pivot. And we we used to talk when we were going to uh, volunteer at Rikers Island for the kids. Yeah. Um, and I would bring up like a, a show or I'd bring up like Atlanta or mm -hmm. The Wire. Mm -hmm. And and you would, you would always have like kind of like a, <laughs> a different perspective. And... Mm -hmm. I would I would love for you to share like what what maybe what you would like to see in media or what you didn't appreciate about that or or like that because you it's like you were saying like this is cool it's art form but like can we see something different like yeah. can we see another narrative yeah and like to talk about that yeah so um, yes I, I do think that 
there there are a lot of um shows out there that are very good and I don't take anything away from that but but my challenge with it is that the experience for um black people african american however you identify on that spectrum is that when you when these shows become popular people that aren't african american black um will say oh that's how they all are and mm. it's, it's it's unfortunate that that you know we have the we have to carry the torch for what all <laughs> people of color are like you know what i mean yeah um, it's crazy I, we don't we don't have to do that <laughs> i don't i don't know it's that anyone, anyone else has to do that um yeah and so because of that my personal um request is that these artists would when they create their work keep that in mind and not just go for the money, which again, I get it. You know, you're trying to break through. You've been working at your craft for forever. And this is the thing that, you know, gets the big deal. I get it 100%. So I'm not saying that these individual people are wrong. I'm just saying that it's not fair, but it is a reality. And so, um, I personally wish that there were more shows that show, um, you know, real um, families, real people doing good things. You know, that doesn't mean that it's completely perfect and they don't fight and that there aren't any incidents. I'm not saying that, but there are countless stories of people that are doing good things in the community for their family that would be considered boring. Um, but that's, I believe that's more of the norm than to have, you know, the shows where there's like drugs, there's killing. That is a reality. I'm not saying that it's not. Right. But I don't know that that's the norm. Right, right. So do you think like, Maybe it, hmm. I'm wondering if I'm I'm seeing programming now. It seems that more programming is is sort of like for us by us, and mm -hmm. um and so it's not always like Boys in the Hood, you know. It's mm -hmm. it's 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 a lot more a little more mundane, really. Like mm -hmm. kind of like this is just life, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if that's like a little better. Um, I guess. I guess also like when it comes to having a broader audience, there's like these certain pressures and you know, that you would need to sound a certain way. For instance, for instance, I had friends like Jada kiss to me mm -hmm. is, was always a dope rapper. One of the most underrated rappers of all time. Right. He's okay. You know, mm -hmm. but, um, but I don't really listen to him that much anymore, but that's just, you know, me. And, um, but at one point he did a political song mm -hmm. and he talks about Bush and there mm -hmm. were people around me, like activists and stuff like, you know, punk rocker, you know, white kids on, on bikes or whatever. And they were like, Oh man, like that Jada kiss song. Like that's so, that's so woke. Like, man, I'm so glad he's like getting political. I'm like, bro, he's been <laughs> political, man. It's to live, <laughs> to live his life is political, man. Mm -hmm. And so, I was like, but you don't, you know, it's like, you don't get it. But I feel like there was this film called um, Beyond the Beat and Rhyme, I think it was called. Okay. And um, it was talking about misogyny and hip hop. And mm -hmm. they interviewed Jadakiss. And he's like, man, I could give you woke or, or like, you know, um, conscious lyrics all day. Mm -hmm. But the people writing my checks, they want to hear about violence. They want yeah. to hear about that. And like their kids want to buy that, you know, because yeah. they've never experienced or seen it. So they want to feel like they've experienced and seen it. And I think that's, that's so awful because in a way it's like, it's, it's just, oh man, it's just like the way it works, you know, to try and like make money, 
Because he's yeah. like, I want to put these sneakers on my kid. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he but he dropped knowledge raps like boom, 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 just like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, I just always thought that was interesting when you would share that. Because I was like, man, I thought those shows were so cool. But Xavier really made me think about them in a different way. <laughs> but um, and I yeah. think and I think that's always the tension. I think part of when you were saying endurance, I think that's mm. part of the tension is that um, like white folks, we have to understand that we're not always going to understand it. And I, I think I think like part of living in that tension of like, yo, we're just not going to get it because we haven't had that historical experience. But we can still walk together down this path of 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 of, of ending this, you know. And we don't yeah. have to be uh, the same. We don't have to, you know. Yeah, I think when you say um, get it, it's not much to get, you mm. know. Mm. There's another people group that happen to be a shade darker than you, and they just want the same things that you want. Right. They want to see their family do well. They want to be able to pay for college and they want to be able to go on vacation. There's not much difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is all the same. You know, where they may go on vacation may be different. Where they go to college may be different. Where they live may be different. But other than that, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. And so. I guess what I'm trying to do too, um, or what I've been passionate about is I want to learn how to help what I've dedicated my life to understanding and fighting against and help present that to an audience that I think is just starting to learn that this is an issue still, Mm -hmm. you know? And so what I did is I, I encouraged, I encouraged some of my, um, church and stuff to watch certain documentaries that I thought were very helpful for me that were kind mm-hmm. of like an intro and um, but also just kind of like continuing to have conversations with people that are different than you yep. and, and listening to them and hearing them and, and having dinner together you know mm-hmm. and uh, or, or however they want to do it because I I really think that that's how it happens like not to throw you under the bus, Ma, I love you. But, like, <laughs> until the Trump elections, my mom was kind of never spoke about this. And she kind of used to, like, be like, you're my son. I love you. You you fight for all of this and you fight for that and everything. And I guess that's what it's going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. But But when Trump was elected, she called me and she's like, why do I have to always have a defense of why I did what I did or why I voted and... What mm-hmm. do I believe? Like, what does it mean for me to be a Christian? And I never had to do that before. And I said, well, you're going to have to do two things, regardless of what we feel in the Bible. I I think you should read a book on like an intro to understanding the LGBTQ community in this culture, right? And their struggle because um, my brother-in-law is gay, right? Mm-hmm. And so he he loves us, but he doesn't always feel like we're we're here for him because we're Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, which is crazy because God loves him, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I know that that looks like whatever, whatever. And so um, and then the other one was I was like I was like maybe like an intro into understanding race in America or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because our actions impact whole people groups, and yeah. and we have to pay an account. We have to we have to be accountable to what we believe. And it's no longer just like Jesus is Christianity isn't just like, you know, something you buy at a Christian bookstore. Yeah. It, this is this is real. This is how we live our lives. And it affects how we vote. It affects how we live. It affects, you know, what happens in our communities. And now we need to start shifting because people are getting a lot more interested in politics, and a lot more interested in, in, in having rights and having access to things that they would have been denied of and they're getting into, you know, they're getting allowed into it. So you need to think about it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some things happened and she had to volunteer and she started working with women from Haiti. Mm-hmm. And she started hearing their stories and they didn't always 
connect you know sometimes they were just like ah this crazy white lady right Mm -hmm. but they were able to connect eventually and she was able to build a good friendship and that's when she was like wow i'm starting to understand this didn't end in 1965 or when the civil rights act was passed i was like no not at all mom not (laughs) not at all i'm so thank you jesus (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and so i'm trying to do that now and and i um and that's that's what I was trying to do in this podcast is like by allow hearing from different voices hopefully will help that conversation to happen and and I'll learn and I'll grow as well cuz who dares wins is about me daring to think a different way and to hear yeah. another narrative um but I just wanted to say thank you so much for giving me your time and I don't know if you wanted to talk about anything uh if there's anything else because i know your dad and you, you know you're married to elizabeth and and all that stuff but like the background of that but um i just wanted to say thank you if we if we go forward uh just taking that time you know because i know you know you have your responsibilities and family sure. and everything yeah sure. we're, we're all good right now the baby is asleep okay and so we're all good right now i also cool. wanted to say that um yeah some sometimes um, the best thing you can do is to know that you don't have to fix the problem. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it it just keep doing your part, whatever that part is. You know, yeah. And so if if it's conversation, it's conversation. If it's volunteering, volunteering, voting, whatever. You know, um, this thing didn't start yesterday. It's been going on for like. Um, you know, five hundred years <laughs> or, or, or more, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so it's not going to end um, quickly. And so once you get that perspective, then it's like it's easier to carry this day in day out until you know your time is done on the earth, and then someone else will pick it up, and then your legacy will be known as being a part of the movement that ended this thing once and for all. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, um, yeah, I'm noticing that, like, so the, they gave us, like, an hour, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, at 10 minutes. But I thought that was, yeah, that's really good. And that's 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 the problem I have is, like, trying to come up with something i'm a perfectionist it's trying to come up with something that's perfect that will end this you know and mm-hmm. and i think um one of the things we learn in seminary is uh is the tension in the tension is the truth and and so the tension of the text reveals the truth of what of, of what the text is trying to say and um or, or something something like that Stephen Furtick actually talked about it two weeks ago in one of his sermons um mm-hmm. but yeah I feel like that tension is accepting that like yeah there isn't like a like a thing you know what I mean it's more like a, just an ongoing endurance and putting every foot forward and every day waking up and and uh you know choosing to to live a different way than than uh than i guess like you received or whatever and just like open and having a space for grace (laughs) yeah but yeah yeah. especially to um the person that believes you know yeah yeah you know if you you know if you're a believer out there this doesn't um pain you more than it pains God, right? Yeah. And so, like, you know, have some perspective for yourself and recognize that, you know, if God is who you believe he is, then this doesn't sit well with him. Mm. And and no one wants to um, bring peace and justice more than he does. Wow. Good. And so just, you know, for the believer, if you don't believe, then what I just said makes no sense to you. Um, but for the believer that really believes that God is who he has said he is, then you just got to recognize that, you know, 
he wants to put an end to this more than you do. But just remember, him putting an end to it looks way different than you putting an end to it. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. If you don't know Jesus, you know, <laughs> there'll be a link. You know, um, that's beautiful. That's beautiful, and that's so true. That's so true. I, I was watching this movie, and uh, I was watching this message from Joel Houston called "I'm mm-hmm. Still Here," and he kind of was just sharing his heart. But one of the things that he said at the end was, you know, in the end, the answer is trust God. You know, Mm -hmm. trust him. He's faithful. And he's like, and I just keep trusting God and I'm still here. And I'm not, like, doing amazing. There's times Mm -hmm. where I wake up and I'm like, God, like, I don't know. But I just keep trusting him and it and it seems to work out, you know, because his yeah. his will is good and, and his 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 will for our lives is good and his purpose for our lives is good and he wants to give us good things. And mm-hmm. and in the end he he wins and he's already won. The Bible says he's overcome the world. So we can have yeah. faith in that. Especially to my friends that are listening that don't that wouldn't say they're believers, he's overcome the world even for you right now. So just love you guys. Um, thank you so much, Xavier. Um, and you, you, you made, you mean a lot to me. I even, I started this podcast because you and Elizabeth said to me like three years ago, when are you going to start your podcast? (laughs) (laughs) And so it's full circle, you know, and, um, I'm just so, I'm, I'm so, uh, you know, I'm happy to be your friend. I'm, I'm thankful for the support you've shown me. And um, it's amazing to see you and Elizabeth as mom and dad and, and just like building your family. Um, it's, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. So, and, and so if there was, um, it's like five minutes, like if uh, there's anything that you, you and Elizabeth are up to, if you're still doing your podcast, if, if uh, strategy or anything like that, you wanted to the share that you're doing that, you know, could, people could check out. I could share that too. Um, I always leave a leave links in my descriptions based on the subject matter that we talked about. But um, but yeah, if you wanted to plug that, you can. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, thank you um, for having me on, and um, you've always been. Um, this isn't for a lot of people. Um, this isn't you getting on the bandwagon. This has been who you were since the first day I met you years ago. And so, um, you know, this will take many different shapes, many different forms, but at the end of the day, it's true to who you are. And I think people need to know that. Um, and you're not, you don't have an agenda except for God's agenda. And this you know, it's going to take shape. It's going to take form. Uh, but the best is still yet to come for you and for this podcast and for all that you do going forward. So just remember that. Have confidence in what God told you. And just remember endurance and remember longevity. Mm-hmm. Uh, because over time um, is where change will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, a change that over time, true change will happen. And so there will be many uh, bumps in the road, but at the end of the day, you've been fighting for this. And I don't know that people know that about Mm. you. So I just think that is great. Um, And just keep going. (laughs) Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm good. (laughs) Thank you, man. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, this is my passion, man. Jeremiah 29, there's a fire shut up in our bones. And, and if, you know, the Bible says that if we don't speak when he's put his name in our hearts, you know, or he's put that fire in our hearts, the Bible says that it will consume us. And I, I yeah. think that really can speak in, I'm not, I'm not going to preach, but I can speak in culture that. <laughs> That when you have something that's passionate about and you don't do it, it kind of consumes you in a bad way, yep. like anxiety, mm-hmm. internal pain, you know, 
And mm-hmm. so I just I don't want to I don't want to let myself get consumed by me anymore. I want to say yep. yes and 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 be a part and you know just do what I can. So I thank you so yep. much, man. I love you. I'm good on that. It's who dares <laughs> wins. Love you guys. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Right. Thank you. You're welcome, thank you. man. No problem. Thanks. <laughs>